0: Section eleven of A Prince of Swindlers by Guy Boothby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC. A Prince of Swindlers by Guy Boothby. Chapter 7 part one the man of many crimes if one consults a dictionary one finds that the word dipsomaniac means a man who spends his life continually desiring alcoholic liquor a name that properly classifies it has not yet been invented for the individual who exhibits a perpetual craving for notoriety And yet one is perhaps as much a nuisance to society as the other after his run of success there came a time when simon carne like alexander the great could have sat down and wept for the reason that he had no more worlds to conquer for the moment it seemed as if he had exhausted to put it plainly every species of artistic villainy he had won the derby under peculiar circumstances as narrated elsewhere he had rendered a signal through an ostentatious service to the state he had stolen under enormous difficulty the most famous family jewels in europe and he had relieved the most fashionable bride and bridegroom of the season of the valuable presents that their friends and relations had lavished on them on a morning following a banquet at the mansion house at which he had been a welcome as well as a conspicuous guest he was sitting alone in his study smoking a meditative cigar though the world would scarcely have thought it. A fashionable life did not suit him, and he was beginning to wonder whether he was not, after all, a little tired of England. He was hungering for the warmth and color of the East, and perhaps, if the truth must be told, for something of the rest he had known in the Maraajah of Kadir's Lake Palace where he had been domiciled when he had first made the acquaintance of the man who had been his sponsor in english society the earl of amberley it was a strange coincidence that while he was thinking of that nobleman and of the events which had followed the introduction just referred to his quick ears should have caught the sound of a bell that was destined eventually to lead him up to one of the most sensational adventures of all his sensational career a moment later his butler entered to inform him that lady caroline weltershall and the earl of amberley had called and would like to see him tossing his cigar into the grate he passed through the door ram held open for him and having crossed the hall entered the drawing-room as he went he wondered what it was that had brought them to see him at such an early hour both were among his more intimate acquaintances and both occupied distinguished positions in the social life of the world's great metropolis while her friends and relations spent their time in search of amusement and a seemingly eternal round of gaieties which involved a waste of both health and money, Lady Caroline, who was the ugly duckling of an otherwise singularly handsome family, put her life to a different use. Philanthropy was her hobby, and scarcely a day passed in which she did not speak at some meeting, preside over some committee, or endeavour in some way, as she somewhat Grandiloquently put it to better the lives and ameliorate the conditions of our less fortunate fellow-creatures. In appearance, she was a short fair woman of about forty-five years of age, with a not unhandsome face, the effect of which, however, was completely spoilt by two large and protruding teeth. My dear lady Caroline, this is indeed kind of you said carne as he shook hands with her and also of you lord amberley to what happy circumstance may i attribute the pleasure of this visit i fear it is dreadfully early for us to come to see you replied her ladyship but lord amberley assured me that it that as our business is so pressing you would forgive us pray do not apologize returned carne it gives me the greatest possible pleasure to see you as for the hour i am ashamed to confess that while the morning is no longer young i have only just finished breakfast but won't you sit down they seated themselves once more and when they had done so lady caroline unfolded her tale as you are perhaps aware my friends say that i never come to see them unless it is to attempt to extort money from them for some charitable purpose she said no you need not prepare to button up your pockets mr Carne. i'm not going to ask you for anything today what i do want however is to endeavor to persuade you to help us in a movement we are inaugurating to raise money with which to relieve the great distress in the canary islands brought about by the late disastrous earthquake my cousin the marquis of laverstock has kindly promised to act as president and although we started it but yesterday ten thousand pounds have already been subscribed as you are aware however If we are to attract public attention and support the funds raised must be representative of all classes our intention therefore is to hold a drawing-room meeting at my house tomorrow afternoon when a number of the most prominent people of the day will be invited to give us their views on the subject I feel sure If you will only consent to throw in your lot with us, and to assist in carrying out what we have in view, we shall be able to raise a sum of at least one hundred thousand pounds for the benefit of the sufferers. Our kind friend here, Lord Amberley, has promised to act as secretary, and his efforts will be invaluable to us royalty has signified its gracious approval and it is expected will head the list with a handsome donation every class will be appealed to ministers of religion of all known denominations will be invited to cooperate and if you will only consent to allow your name to appear upon the personnel of the committee And will allow us to advertise your name as a speaker at tomorrow's meeting i feel sure there is nothing we shall not be able to achieve i shall be delighted to help you in any way i can karn replied if my name is likely to be any assistance to you i beg you will make use of it in the meantime, if you will permit me, I will forward you a cheque for one thousand pounds being my contribution to the fund you have so charitably started. Her ladyship beamed with delight, and even Lord Amberley smiled gracious approval. You are generous indeed, said Lady Caroline. I only wish others would imitate your example. She did not say that wealthy though her she herself was she had only contributed ten pounds to the fund it is well known that while she inaugurated large works of charity she seldom contributed very largely to them as a wit once remarked philanthropy was her virtue and meanness was her vice egad said amberley if you're going to open up your purse strings like that Karn, I shall feel called upon to do the same then let me have the pleasure of booking both amounts at once cried her ladyship at the same time whipping out her notebook and pencil with flattering alacrity i shall be delighted said carne with a smile of eagerness i also replied amberley and in a trice both amounts were written down. Having gained her point, her ladyship rose to say good-bye. Lord Amberley immediately imitated her example. "'You will not forget, will you, Mr. Carne? said she. "'I am to have the pleasure of seeing you at my house to-morrow afternoon at three o'clock. We shall look forward to hearing your speech.' and i need not remind you that every word you utter will be listened to with the closest attention at three to-morrow afternoon said carne i shall be at your house you need not fear that i shall forget and now since you think you must be going good-bye and many thanks to you for asking me he escorted them to the carriage which was waiting outside and when he had watched it drive away, returned to his study to write the check he had promised her. Having done so, he did not rise from his chair, but continued to sit at his writing-table, biting the feather of his quill-pen and staring at the blotting-pad before him. A great and glorious notion had suddenly come into his head, and the majesty of it was for the moment holding him spellbound if only it could be worked he said to himself what a glorious coup it would be the question for my consideration is can it be done to invite the people of england to subscribe its pounds shillings and pence for my benefit would be a glorious notion and just the sort of thing i should enjoy Besides which I have to remember that I am a thousand pounds to the bad already And that must come back from somewhere for the present. However, I'll put the matter aside after the meeting tomorrow I shall have something tangible to go upon and Then if I still feel in the same mind, it will be strange if I can't find some way of doing what I want in the meantime i shall have to think out my speech upon that will depend a good deal of my success it is a strange world in which it is ordained that so much should depend upon so little at five minutes to three o'clock on the following afternoon simon carne might have been observed that i believe is the correct expression, strolling across from Aspley House to Gloucester Place. Reaching Lord Waltershall's residence, he discovered a long row of carriages lining the pavement, and settling down their occupants at his lordship's door. Carne followed the stream into the house and was carried by it up the stairs towards the large drawing room where the meeting was to be held. Already about a hundred persons were present and it was evident that if they continued to arrive at the same rate It would not be long before the room would be filled to overflowing Seeing Lady Caroline bidding her friends welcome near the door Carne hastened to shake hands with her It is so very good of you to come she said as she took his hand remember we are looking f- to you for a rousing speech this afternoon we want one that will inflame all england and touch the heartstrings of every man and woman in the land to touch their purse-strings would perhaps be more to the point said carne with one of his quiet smiles let us hope we shall touch them too she replied now would you mind going to the dais at the other end of the room you will find lord laverstock there talking to my husband i think Carne bowed and went forward as he had been directed so soon as it was known that the celebrities had arrived the meeting was declared open and the speech-making commenced Clever as some of them were, it could not be doubted that Carnes' address was the event of the afternoon. He was a born speaker, and what more, despite the short notice he had received, he made himself thoroughly conversant with his subject. His handsome face was on fire with excitement, and his sonorous voice rang through the large room like a trumpet call. When he sat down, it was amidst a burst of applause. Lord Laverstock leant forward and shook hands with him. "'Your speech will be read all over England tomorrow morning,' he said. "'It should make a difference of thousands of pounds to the fund. I congratulate you most heartily upon it.' Simon Carne felt that if it was really going to make that difference, he might in the light of future events heartily congratulate himself he however accepted the praise showered upon him with becoming modesty and during the next speaker's exhibition of halting elocution amused himself watching the faces before him and speculating as to what they would say when the surprise he was going to spring upon them came known half an hour later when the committee had been elected and the meeting had broken up he bade his friends good good-bye and set off on his return home that evening he was dining at home intending to call at his club afterwards and to drop in at a reception and two dances between ten and midnight after dinner however he changed his mind and having instructed Ram to deny him all callers, and countermanding his order for a carriage, went to his study, where he locked himself in and sat down to smoke and think. He had set himself a puzzle which would have taxed the brain of that arch-schemer, Machiavelli himself he was not however going to be beaten by it there must be some way he told himself in which the fraud could be worked and if there was he was going to find it numberless were the plans he formed only to discover a few moments later that some little difficulty rendered each impracticable suddenly throwing down the pencil with which he had been writing he sprang to his feet and began eagerly to pace the room. It was evident from the expression upon his face that he had touched upon a train of thought that was at last likely to prove productive. Reaching the fireplace for about the thirtieth time, he paused and gazed into the fireless grate. After standing there for a few moments, he turned and... With his hands in his pockets said solemnly to himself yes i think it can be done whatever the train of thought may have been that led him to make this declaration it was plain that it afforded him no small amount of satisfaction he did not however commit himself at once to a decision but continued to think over the scheme he had hit upon until he had completely mastered it it was nearly midnight before he was thoroughly satisfied then he followed his invariable practice on such occasions and rang for the imitable belton when he had admitted him to the room he bade him close and lock the door behind him by the time this had been done he had lit a fresh cigar and had once more taken up his position on the hearth-rug i sent for you to say that i have just made up my mind to try a little scheme compared with which all i have done so far will sink into insignificance what is it sir asked belton i will tell you but you must not look so terrified Put in a few words, it is neither more nor less than to attempt to divert the enormous sums of money which the prodigal English public is taking out of its pocket in order to assist the people of the Canary Islands, who have lost so severely by the recent terrible earthquake, into my own. Belton's face expressed his astonishment. But, my dear sir! he said that's a fund of which the marquis of laverstock is president and of whose committee you are one of the principal members exactly answered carne it is to those two happy circumstances i shall later on attribute the success i now mean to attain lord laverstock is merely a pompous old nobleman whose hobby is philanthropy this lesson will do him good it will be strange if before i am a week older i cannot twist him round my finger now for my instructions in the first place you must find me a moderate sized house fit for an elderly lady and situated in a fairly fashionable quarter say south Kingsington. furnish it on the higher system from one of the big firms and engage three servants who can be relied upon to do their work and what is more important who can hold their tongues next find me an old lady to impersonate the mistress of the house she must be very frail and delicate-looking and you will arrange with some livery stable people in the neighbourhood to supply her with a carriage In which she will go for an airing every afternoon in order that the neighborhood may become familiar with her personality both she and the servants must be made to thoroughly understand that their only chance of obtaining anything from me depends upon their carrying out my instructions to the letter also while they are in the house they must keep themselves to themselves my identity of course must not transpire as soon as i give the signal the old lady must keep to the house and the neighborhood must be allowed to understand that she is seriously ill the day following she will be worse and the next she will be dead you will then make arrangements for a funeral order a coffin and arrange for the conveyance of the body to southampton En route for the channel islands where she is to be buried at Southampton a yacht which I will arrange for myself will be in readiness to carry us out to sea do you think you understand perfectly sir Belton replied but I wish I could persuade you to give up the attempt you will excuse my saying so sir I hope but it does seem to me a pity when you have done so much to risk losing it all over such a dangerous bit of business as this. It surely can't succeed, sir. Belton, said Carne very seriously, you strike me as being in a strange humor tonight, and I cannot say that I like it were it not that i have the most implicit confidence in you i should begin to think you were turning honest in that case our connection would be likely to be a very short one i hope sir belton answered in alarm that you still believe i am as devoted as ever to your interests i do believe it Carn replied Let the manner in which you carry out the various instructions I have just given you confirm me in that belief. This is Wednesday. I shall expect you to come to me on Saturday with a report that the house has been taken and furnished, and that the servants are installed and the delicate old lady in residence. You may rely upon my doing my best, sir." I feel sure of that said Carne, and now that all is arranged. I think I will go to bed a Week later a committee of the Canary Island Relief Fund was able to announce to the world Through the columns of the daily press that the generous public of England has subscribed No less a sum than one hundred thousand pounds for the relief of the sufferers by the late earthquake the same day, Carne attended a committee meeting in Gloucester Place. A proposition advanced by Lady Wiltershall and seconded by Simon Carne was carried unanimously. It was to the effect that in a week's time such members of the relief committee as could get away should start for the scene of the calamity in the chairman's yacht, which had been placed at their disposal, taking with them for distribution among the impoverished inhabitants of the islands the sum already subscribed, namely, one hundred thousand pounds in English gold. They would then be able, with the assistance of the English Council, to personally superintend the distribution of their money, and also be in a position to report to the subscribers. When they return to England, the manner in which the money had been utilized in that case said carne who had not only seconded the motion but had put the notion into lady waltershall's head it might as be as well if our chairman would interview the authorities of the bank and arrange that the amount in question shall be packed ready for delivery to the messengers he may select to call for it before the date in question i will make it my business to call the bank to-morrow morning replied the chairman and perhaps you mr Carne, would have no objection to accompany me if it will facilitate the business of this committee i shall be only too pleased to do so said Carne, and so it was settled on a Tuesday afternoon, six days later, and two days before the date upon which it had been arranged that the committee should sail, the Marquis of Laverstock received a letter. Lady Caroline Waltershaw, the Earl of Amberley, and Simon Carne were with him when he opened it. He read it through, and then read it again, after which he turned to his guests. This is really a very extraordinary communication, he said, and it affects the matter we have most at heart. Perhaps i had better read it to you. 154. Great Chesterton Street. Tuesday evening. To the most noble, the Marquis of Laverstock, K.G. Berkeley Square, my lord, as one who has been permitted to enjoy a long and peaceful life, in a country where such visitations are happily unknown, I take the liberty of writing to your Lordship to say how very much I should like to subscribe to the fund so nobly started by you and your friends to assist the poor people who have lost so much by the earthquake in the Canary Islands. Being a lonely old woman, blessed by the Providence with some small share Of worldly wealth I feel it my duty to make some small sacrifice to help others who have not been so blessed unfortunately I do not enjoy very good health but if your lordship could spare a moment to call upon me I would like to thank you in the name of womanhood for all you have done and in proof of my gratitude would willingly give you my check for the sum of ten thousand pounds To add to the amount already subscribed i am permitted by my doctors to see visitors between the hours of eleven and twelve in the morning and five and six in the afternoon i should then be both honored and pleased to see your lordship trusting you will concede me this small favor i have the honor to be yours very sincerely janet o'halloran there was a momentarily pause after his lordship had finished reading the letter What will you do? inquired lady Caroline It is a noble offering put in simon Carne. I think there cannot be two opinions as to what is my duty Replied the chairman I shall accede to her request Though why she wants to see me is more than I can tell as she hints in the letter she wishes to congratulate you personally on what you have done continued the earl of amberley and as it will be the handsomest donation we have yet received it will perhaps be as well to humor her in that case i will do as i say and make it my business to call there this afternoon between five and six and now It is my duty to report to you that mr. Simon Carn and I waited upon the authorities at the bank this morning and arranged that the sum of one hundred thousand pounds in gold shall be ready for our messengers when they call for it either tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon at latest it is a large sum to take with us said Lady Caroline i trust it will not prove a temptation to thieves you need not have fear on that score replied his lordship as i have explained to the manager my own trusted servants will effect the removal of the money accompanied by two private detectives who will remain on board my yacht until we weigh anchor we have left nothing to chance to make the matter doubly sure i have also arranged that the money shall not be handled over except to a person who shall present my check and at that same time show this signet ring which i now wear upon my finger the other members of the committee expressed themselves as perfectly satisfied with this arrangement and when certain other business had been transacted the meeting broke up End of section 11 Recording by Lynda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.